0: This is Walter, T.S. Champ, and That Guy all rolled into one. The creator of Burning Talking Points Presents. In May 2010, Burning Comics will tackle the subjects of reboots, recons, and relaunches with the panel of Michael Bailey, Thomas TJ, and Scott Gardner. Now excuse me while I go practice the time warp so I can get prepared for this.
1: A jump to the left your hands on your hips you know Chun there are times when I really like you of course I am Chun and there are times when I can really kill you good we will practice that after dinner we all
0: feel better. better in the dark. We all feel better in the dark. Oh,
1: are you taking the piss? Yeah, I'm gonna fuck you up. Oh, man. I'm going to fucking kill you. He's a funny <laughs> guy. He's a funny guy. But he's great. You
2: know, he looks like a guy he wakes up in the morning. He reaches down there's a bucket full of toilet of Right. And, <laughs> and he's chewing it while he's walking to the bathroom.
1: We're bringing the noise so yeah. The BK wait all day with these two, DJ and Ferguson here to teach you. Death traps on a sure way to kill. And
2: Eva and Raquel, not now, never will. The boys don't play, bring on all flicks. If you ain't coming with it, they will say that it's ish. Great, great men, you will get applause. And when we say Christopher Bell, everybody please pause. Clyde Barker, the musicals, the man with the S to the Disney unusual. Don't be covered when time's on the rant. Or oh, please sing along, cause you know that they can't. <laughs> so this one goes out to you and yours. And all the great members of the message boards. They call me B hyphen and it's time to start.
1: Cause we all feel better, better in the dark. Yeah, yeah. It's true, no tokens, no talismans, no fetishes, nothing. You really don't use anything. Any magic, that is. Just like I told you on the phone. You don't believe in magic? I believe it. Just don't use it. Why? Got personal reasons. And they are. personal. Fear is nothing more than a feeling. You feel hot, you feel hungry, you feel angry, you feel afraid. Fear can never kill you.
0: Until we get back in touch with you.
1: Go watch that movie. Right, Davin? Go watch that
0: movie. (laughs) You know what I really, really want to watch right now?
2: You no, know, Tom, what do you
0: really, really want to watch I'd right now? I'd love to get a chance to just pop Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, into the DVD player and watch it right now.
2: Uh, you mean Remo Williams, The Adventures Begin, the movie with Fred Ward? Yes. And Joel, Joel Gray. Gray. Yes, very much so. You mean that movie's not on DVD, Tom? What? I think you're right. That is a crime. Criminal. Horrible. Shame on you, MCM. Thinkable. We would probably tell people about this then. We should. It's horrible. We should tell them about these movies that should be... And luckily deep. we've got the platform just for it right now. It's called Better in the Dark. That's right. And I'm Tom DJ. And I'm Derek Ferguson. And yes, indeed. For the next hour and change... We're going to be discussing some movies that are not on DVD, but they should be on it. That's right, and we've gotten
0: the input from our fans, and we got lots of... Plus, we got some listener mail, the ever-popular listener mail.
2: So we have a nice little potpourri of things going on for this episode. I wish I were you listening to this for the first time. (laughs) By
0: the time you listen to it for the first time... I've listened to it at least three times I don't know how many times Derek has listened to it
2: I listened to it at least one time Because Patricia, she insists Mm -hmm. on listening to it So she waits I listen to the raw feed And then I listen to it again After you've done your magic Mm -hmm. on it And I listen to it with her And then I have to listen to her And if you keep
0: going, who's Patricia? You can go to bitdsite.com And look her up in the glossary Because she's there Don't think she wasn't tickled about that In a good way or a bad way In a good way We reference her so often that She deserves to be in the Just like we reference Kristen Bell. So, so
2: <laughs> and if you're wondering why you know, there was Dead air there for a if second, if you're wondering why the pause after, you gotta go to the, the glossary. There, there, go. Go. there you go. Or if you listen to the theme song, you'll also know why. Shall we get to the listener mail first? Let's
0: jump please? right into the mail. Okay, the first email I've got is from Joel Jenkins, who used our
2: old school email address. Joel Jenkins, it should be mentioned. Mm-hmm. If you go to the Pumpwork Press site, pumpworkpress.com, you will see that Joel is the author of the Dire Planet series. Right. Which, if you're at all a fan of Edgar Rice Burroughs' Martian stories, if you're a fan of John Carter of Mars or Carson of Venus, then this is the series for you. Also, he's got a story in the upcoming Amazing Alternative stories.
0: Mm, yes, he does. But, getting to Joel, he writes, Hey, Tom and Derek. I took my kids to see The Fantastic Mr. Fox, and save for some Harryhausen Sinbad movies, it was their first real exposure to stop-motion animation, and they didn't quite know what to make of it at first. To top it off, The Fantastic Mr. Fox was a very quirky movie with some odd sensibilities. Nevertheless, once the initial shock wore off, they all enjoyed it, including my two-year-old. At the end of the movie, the fantastic Mr. Fox has reverted to the same behavior that got him and his family into so much trouble in the first place, and I asked myself what the moral was to the story. Roald doll usually has some sort of underlying theme, and I can't pinpoint what this one was. Finally, I came to the conclusion that it was, you can't change the nature of an animal. Any other thoughts on this? Okay You haven't seen I have yes.
2: I do agree with Joel Because that's a recurring theme That's in the movie With Mr. Fox Because these are animals Right That's how he gets Into the situation Because his wife Makes some promise To stop stealing chickens Right And they move next to A chicken farm Of course he reverts Back to his nature And so yeah I would agree with Joel That that's a theme However There's one thing I would like to say though I'm firmly of the opinion This is not a kids movie I right. mean there's a lot Of things that go There's a lot of fast dollar George Clooney is talking Like a used car salesman. And blah, right. blah blah blah, blah. He's talking a mile a minute There's a lot of things in there You don't have a kids movie where the fox is going And he's negotiating real estate with a badger And they're using real estate right. terms that adults use It's not a kids movie It's more of you but was,
0: Roald Roldal excelled at writing these Kids books. He had his short story phase, and
2: then in the sixties he started writing these kids books. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were exactly meant for kids. And also, this is a movie by Wes Anderson, right. who is a quirky director. This is more of a Wes Anderson movie than a role dog okay. story. It really is because it's got that same quirky sensibility that you're looking at. You're not really sure of your footing where you're at with this movie. However, as I did say in my review of it, Mm -hmm. I do support this movie wholeheartedly because it's stop-motion animation. And, Joel, I applaud you for taking your kids to see it because if we as as adults don't expose kids to it, where else are they going to get it? They're not going to get it from their friends because their friends are watching CGI just Mm -hmm. like them. Like, of course, Clash of the Titans because... Titans will, will clash. clash. <laughs> I have to actually write
0: Kelly to ask him how often he will accept updates to the glossary. Yeah, because, because I've
2: already got about four new entries. Well, in the last episode that we recorded, which you guys should yes. have heard by now, the John Carpenter's mm-hmm. Director's right. Court episode, we came up with the J.T. Krulz Stand Up <laughs> <Right>. Award. <laughs> now, which we will be awarding to listeners who mm-hmm. demonstrate right. true Stand Up guys. <laughs> But that's my thoughts on Fantastic Mr. Fox. Joel, you made an excellent point there. I agree with you 100%. I applaud you for taking your kids to see a stop-motion animated movie. You get the J.T. Krull (laughs) Stand-Up Guy Award. Because
0: we want to see stop-motion animation continue into the the 21st 21st century, century. Of
2: course. I got nothing against CGI. I've seen plenty of CGI. I loved Up. Uh Up to Me was the best movie I saw last year. It was no surprise to me that it won Best Animated Movie. This occurs to me something. Joel
0: is now, I think, the second or the third person who has mentioned that he is using Better in the Dark to expose movie to his children. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, on the way over here today, wouldn't it be kind of cool to do a children's movie episode? Well, yeah,
2: no. Do like
0: potpourri, do our usual six-pack of recommendations of kids' movies that aren't going to insult adults' intelligences, Mm -hmm.
2: but are quirky and fun enough to be better in the dark standards. I would love to do it, because even as an adult, I believe that a lot of my enjoyment comes out of the fact that I haven't lost touch with that part of me that likes children's movies. And I do like children's movies. I love children's movies. My problem that I have with a lot of these animated movies that are coming out now, is that I don't really think they're made for kids. They're making them for adults. The sophistication of the dialogue and the story matter go over a lot of kids' heads. We made reference to this in an
0: earlier episode. This is a situation where people looked at some of the films that were coming out of the Disney studios during that 90s cycle and got the question wrong. Yes, Aladdin has... Jokes for adults, but it is at its core still a kid's movie. Right. A lot of the stuff, like the DreamWorks stuff, are all about the references for the adults. Yeah, like Shark
2: Tale. I didn't like Shark Tale because the movie was more concerned with making those pop culture references that they forgot that they needed a story. The Mm. Fye over where I live, they're having a sale on TV box sets,
0: and they've got the old Dastardly and Mutley show.
2: Oh, stop that, that pigeon. pigeon, stop that, that pigeon.
0: pigeon,
2: stop that pigeon now, grab him,
0: nab him, stab him. <laughs> the Reverend Horn and Heat. It's this great cover where it starts out, has the Johnny Quest theme. Okay. It's like a rockabilly version of the Johnny Quest theme. And then he slowly eases it into, stop that pigeon. Oh, God. And it ends with him doing the little thing that Dashley would do to Mutley. Mutley, you fleeping awful hound. Oh. Whatever with, with trouble's, trouble's see, about, you're, you're, never you're never around. around. Yeah.
2: All those medals that are there on your chest should be for bungling, for which you are best. So. I got it. Stop, stop the, the pigeon. pigeon. Stop the pigeon. Stop the pigeon. <laughs> I'll ask you a question, yeah. Thomas. Did they ever, never ever caught stop the, the pigeon? pigeon? Never caught the pigeon. Because you know there's a classic episode where even the coyote caught the roadrunner yeah. one time. Mm-hmm. They, I don't
0: think they ever did. Because remember, that show was only on for one year.
2: Yeah, but isn't it funny how these things... T- as soon as we mentioned Dashley and Mutley, what happened? We started right. saying to stop the, the pigeon? pigeon. These are things... You know it's what else I remember from How that show? State Clank. Yeah. Oh, Clank. The was, mechanic. Was, Clank was the best one. He was Michael Winslow before Michael Winslow. He would yep. <laughs> and, and Dashley would always say, What did he say? What did he <laughs> say? So, and the other guy, his partner, the tall sk- was the only one that ever yeah, understood
0: what he said. Because I think they never caught the pigeon. The purple claw never got a hold of Penelope Pitstop.
2: Oh, I love that show. Yeah. I had such a crush on Penelope Pitstop. <laughs> and I'm okay. not ashamed to okay. admit it. But no, because I was hot, to me. (laughs) Well, you got to remember, I was, what? Right.
0: But, it's one of these things where I'm looking at this, and I'm going, ooh, ooh, I really want it, but am (laughs) I going to be disappointed? Also, they have a promotion going on that if you buy something, you can buy your choice of three films for five bucks.
2: No fooling.
0: And one of them was the first season of the
2: old, old,
0: old Astro Boy. Oh, wow. And once okay. again, it was, do I buy this? Because I remember buying the first season of the old Speed Racer cartoon and being very disappointed and being very hard to
2: get through. And just to let y'all know, folks, Tom was not disappointed by a Speed Racer movie.
1: Woohoo!
0: Well, that's something I'm probably going to bring up if we do this, kids. Yeah, yeah. With I mean, the exception of those two moments you and I talked about. Yeah. That chimpanzee poo scene and that really mild, out-of-nowhere swear i defy anybody to watch Speed Race and not be singing the theme song at the right. end. And it's got something for everybody. For the guys, it's got Christina Ricci climbing out of her... Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: uh, there's joke. And
2: I love the fact that it has its own world, which is easy for a kid to understand. Yeah, it made me feel like I was 12 years old again. I love that movie. But getting back to the mail. In
0: fact, oddly enough, since we talked about that weird, mild piece of swearing in Speed Racer, mm-hmm. here comes the next paragraph of J- Joel's email.
2: Okay. Another
0: thing that occurred to me during your discussion of the usage of the word cussed within the movie is that I wouldn't mind it if it fell into regular usage of Better in the Dark. I like to listen to Better in the Dark while I'm working, and some discussion of film or filmmaking will be moving along nicely when suddenly Tom will begin hurling early epithets at Tim Kring or Jeff Johns. These epithets are sometimes decidedly unfriendly to the work environment, and I have to quickly turn off and fast-forward the podcast for more classic conversation. If Tom used the word cussed
2: instead, this wouldn't be an issue. In fact, I think this would be quite amusing. For those of you who had never seen the fantastic Mr. Fox, let me explain what Joel's making a reference to. In that movie, they do use swear words, but however, whenever they use a swear word, like there's a part where Mr. Fox, he goes to see his lawyer... Who is voiced by Bill Murray. This is how they cuss it. They're having a conversation. And he would call Bill Murray a mother cusser. And Bill Murray goes back to him. Well, cuss you. And Bill Murray says, well, you go to cuss. Right. So they replace the word cuss every time that they right. swear. You imagine in your head what they really say, right. And it makes it even funnier. Mm-hmm. So I know exactly what Joe, because I laughed my tail off. And I thought it was hilarious. So I understand what Joel says. Let me say this. Yes, I am going to say yes. Maybe we do, and it's not just Tom. It's right. me as well, cause I'm sitting here right next to him. So, yeah, once in a while, maybe we do get a little bit carried away. And I have we to would, admit that you know, the
0: episode that you and I now just refer to as that episode, we were
2: definitely way off the rail. Yes, we were. To you, Joel, and anybody else who may have been offended, we deeply apologize One thing you got to remember, me and Tom, don't rehearse this. Right. There is no script. We do this completely off the fly. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do get a little bit heated, and we get a little bit excited, and we do get a little bit animated. Mm -hmm. We may let go with language that may not be totally Mm -hmm. appropriate. Yeah, this is not a work-safe podcast. And I do want to
0: point out that back when you and I were managing this ourselves, before we joined up with our good friends over at Mm Earth2.net, whenever I released a new episode, I always put the explicit tag on it because I wanted people to know going in that there was going to be strong language.
2: I can't promise that it will be gone entirely, Joel, but we will watch a little bit. We'll watch a little bit of the episode
0: 78 where we talked about we're trying to get away from. Because I think, unfortunately, that's what. People are turning in for, now for the,
2: the information. Yeah, right. When Tom said on the other episode that he wanted to get away from doing the rant because he felt that the message, the uh, message okay. was getting blurred. lost. Yeah. Right. He felt that people were listening to the messenger and just wanted to listen to him go off and weren't paying attention. So right. just as he's trying to get away from that, we're going to try to gradually ease out of using but the. I, I those don't want to make any of, promises. You no, know, we're not. not this fuggle. has
0: always been a, a not work safe. Podcast. But we are going to make a conscious right. effort to try to Although watch. Although I will point out that one of the things I think a lot of our fans have said to us, mm-hmm. both in, together and separately, is that part of the charm of the show is that it sounds like a conversation between two friends. Which it is. He's and, sitting here right next yeah, to me. Exactly. It
2: just happens there's a microphone right. here also. <laughs> this is the language we use sometimes. Yeah, even when we're, we're talking on yeah, the phone. That's how we talk. Don't. Want to get artificial And as a matter of fact you guys, My wife one day She walked around with a clicker To click how many times I used the word mother cusser yeah, right. <laughs> Because she said you know you say that too much I said I don't hardly say it at all right. She said yes you do And she showed me the number I said I say mother cusser yeah. that much Those words much like
0: like Come <laughs> to think of it And for me I noticed that I say Basically a lot yeah, and I noticed, like you will go, you know.
2: Yeah, well, we all have our pet phrases, right? That exactly, we, you know, and you and know. a lot of that. See, I, editing, I just said it again.
0: Right. You know, yeah, a lot of my <laughs> editing is to remove those what I call placemark words, which are words we use while we're thinking while we're thinking of what
2: we're going to say. Right, which is why these are. Our pet phrases So we just throw it out there But in our head We're like two sentences ahead Because we're figuring out What we're saying Now that we've delved Into our mental processes (laughs) Which is a dark And scary ride Oh (laughs) gosh yes At least when I'm not In London concussed
0: Back to Joel Speaking of which I've just finished watching The second season of Heroes And I'm curious How Tom has balanced His hatred of Tim Frickin' Craig With his love of Kristen Bell Since she Sorry wait We said it Okay Okay since she has been incorporated into the cast of Heroes. Great show, guys. Joel Jenkins.
2: First of all, thank you, Joel. It must be said, I've said it before and I'll say it again, he's the best friend I've never met.
0: Well, I did watch the entire second season because Kristen Bell was on. So Which is was, the only reason why you I watched the it. only reason, and she played a really crap character, and it she did made me angry. In fact, because you remember we were having these discussions, and it made me angry that here was a actress who was capable of so much more, playing this one dimensional tart. The whore declares Madonna. Yeah, it pissed me off so much that when the show came back, thankfully that was during the writer strike season, so it was a truncated season. Yeah. Even though I knew she was going to be on for a couple more episodes, I chose not to watch.
2: Has there ever been a TV show in the history of television that had a star that burned so brightly and then turned into a lump of coal so quickly? I do not know. All I know is it's still on. If you ask me what happens on it, I couldn't tell you. I've given up on that show and I've given up on Lost, mm-hmm. which isn't gonna make Ron Fortier very happy because he loves that I mean a lot of people still love Lost. I can't be bothered anymore. If you're not gonna explain some of this stuff to me, if you're just gonna keep piling on mystery after mystery after mystery and not explain right. it, I can't be bothered. You gotta give me some steak. You're not giving me enough sizzle. All right, I want well, some it, steak. It's
0: Lost is a prime example. It's not the example we use in the glossary. Mm. But but a prime example, and I'm sorry, Joel, but it's part of the phrase of Get to the Fucking Monkey.
2: Yeah. Please, already. Get to the point. But this is the last season. Eventually, I'm going to watch it because I have right. them all on my DVR. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it used to be because when it came on, first two seasons, I would DVR it, and then the next day, I had to watch it. Now, yeah, it's reminds like, me, Derek. Uh, yeah. I don't watch
0: it, but you're a follower of Supernatural, right?
2: Oh, off, off and, off on, and off, on. on. Yeah.
0: Supposedly, from what I understand, the people who created Supernatural came Mm. in with a five-year plan. This season is the end of that five years. Okay. And the original thought was this was going to be the last season. But now I'm hearing reports from various sources that the producers are thinking they might want to stay together for another season.
2: Well, Tom, what channel is Supernatural on? The Caucasian Wankery Network. Okay, otherwise known as CW. (laughs) What show does the CW have that they will refuse to let die?
0: I don't want to say because it's going to get, make me start to swear again.
2: Oh, well, I'll say it. Small bill. And right behind Smallville, I think it's like Supernatural is one of their few hits mm-hmm. here. I think it's like Smallville, Supernatural, and Gossip Girl. It's the three top show. I'm
0: trying to think if there is a show that's been on
2: after Smallville. I think
0: Smallville's been on there the longest. Next season is going to be its tenth year. Its tenth year. I'm trying to think if there's a show older than Supernatural still on the CDA. I don't think there is. So it.
2: they are so desperate to keep their
0: hits because unless you count a reality show like America's Top Model, because I think that's been around. A while.
2: Yeah, and that's another top-rated show. But they are so desperate because if it wasn't for those shows. Nobody would be watching the yeah. CW. They're willing to offer these people any kind of money, please sign up for another year. Yeah. All I remember is that
0: after the five years, I don't like with Buffy, the end of the fifth season ended on a proper ending for
2: the series. Right. The sixth season did not work out. Nobody could just let the show die a right. natural death. they say, well, as long as we can keep squeezing milk out of this cow... Let's keep Mm -hmm. doing it. Right. I haven't watched this show since the first season. Okay. I understand
0: there's this whole mythology going on, where you've got this rival group called the Hunters, and there's, like, these other characters. Mm. I don't understand, okay, you want to keep the... I've got to catch up, because I've got, like,
2: 15 episodes... Or my DVR. You want to <laughs> keep the brand
0: going? I understand that. Right. But rather than continue with the brothers, why not do a story with some of the other hunters who have been recurring? There you go. Unless, of course, they have nightmares of Highlander the Raven. We all know how like, successful so that oh, was. Oh yeah. Okay. Or Baywatch Nights. Oh, Baywatch Nights! Oh, you you hit below the belt now. Tom. <laughs> if you loved Mitch has a lifeguard, you'll love him as a private detective. You had. The... Or maybe he has a
2: supernatural fighter. You had to ask yourself, when the hell did this guy sleep? (laughs) He was on the beach all day long. And then at night, he's a private detective? Yeah. But anyway, thank you again, Joel. And this is the type of thing that made him the number
0: one star in Germany Mm -hmm. for 20 years. On to our second piece. Go right ahead. It's from our friend Dino. Ah. All the way from Japan. He's going to be having a novel coming out soon from
2: Pulper Press in
0: Love and Bullets. Mm -hmm. Dino writes, just listen to... That episode. Dun, dun, dun. See, we don't even mention the
2: number of the episode. Everybody knows what episode we're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, everybody knows. What's that. It's like, what's that Shakespeare play that actors never referred to it back by back. name? Yeah, they never refer to it by name. It's the, always the that. The Scottish
0: play. The, the Scottish play. So just listen to... That episode. And when you got to your rant on comic book fanboys, all I can say is I'm glad I was in my apartment and not in my car or the office when I heard that. Because I stood up and fucking applauded. Before I moved to Japan, I attended Wizard World Chicago every year without fail. And the last few years I was there, it stopped being fun. The only reason I kept going was because I do freelance lettering work, and it provides great networking opportunities. And because of that, I got in for
2: free. And if you are interested in comic book lettering, then get in touch with us at the Better in the Dark message board, and we'll forward it it to Dino.
0: The reason it was so horrible is because of these
2: self-righteous
0: assholes who feel that the world should revolve around their wants. It got to the point where I would go there and purposefully avoid conversations with fanboys because I didn't want to deal with the stress. I sometimes get the feeling that these people only read comics or watch comic-based movies anymore, not because they enjoy them, but just because they want something to bitch and moan about. The Smallville episode should have been called absolute bullshit. Pam Greer was the only high point in the episode, despite how much of an injustice they did to her appearance. And you guys perfectly emphasized the problem with Smallville. These little bones they'll toss to the fans, that's supposed to make up for the complete butchering of the Superman mythos. And the fans are so stupid and so desperate for anything, no matter how horrible it is, that they'll happily gnaw on that bone. The only thing I have to add to Sherlock Holmes is that Downey and Law have one of the greatest on-screen bromances I've ever seen. Tom, you summed up all my thoughts on Legion pitch perfectly. And Derek, thank you so much for your mention of the prophecy. Hands down, my favorite Christopher Walken movie ever. Keep up the good work. I'll be listening. Dino. No,
2: oh, thank you, Dino. Dino. appreciate that. It's good. nice to get a pat on the back. Mm -hmm. Especially for that episode That episode And I would like to say something here Because
0: I know there are a number of fans Who have asked me Repeatedly To please move on From a certain subject Which will never be mentioned again Here's the thing though People, if you don't want to hear it
2: Please stop bringing it up in emails Okay? That's all I ask Matter of fact, Tom sugarcoated it I'm going to tell it to you in plain English Jeff Johns is not going to be mentioned on this podcast anymore. Me and Tom talk, and he's not going to get mentioned. Therefore, if you send us an email asking him or me or any uh, about him or should we're not even going to read it. Now, if you want to call it censorship, then you blame me. But it's dead. That horse right. has been beaten to death. Because dad. I
0: do get the impression, and I'm not pointing a blanket finger at everybody, but I do get the impression that there is a certain small slice of the fan base. That sends these letters in just to see Ranty Tom come out, and that's not going to happen. I don't want people laughing and going, "Look at the monkey! Look at the monkey!"
2: Yeah, it's not going to happen. So if you mention Jeff, we'll read the other parts of your email,
0: but we're not going to read any parts yes. mentioning I hate doing this
2: because, mentioning that gentleman.
0: Yeah, I hate doing this because I don't want Better in the Dark to be like Comic Geek Speak, where they actively toss letters away which don't support their worldview that they are the greatest things in the world and that everybody should kiss their ass. But I think it's kind of gone out of hand because I was listening back because somebody had said something about these mentioned in the last x number of episodes Mm -hmm. and sure enough but the reason that he's being brought up is because people are writing letters asking us about things connected
2: to him well we're not going to refer to him anymore you write an email and you send it in and if he's mentioned in there we'll read the rest of the email you won't mention that part and if you want to call it censorship then you know what you blame it on me and you email me and we'll just see how that situation plays out okay Although, when the Green Lantern movie comes
0: out, we might have reason to bring the name up again. Well, we'll deal deal with that when it happens. Until then, please people, respect our wishes here. Moving right along. Alright, to the subject, to the meat and the potatoes and the sprig of parsley of the episode. Okay. We were talking about this because we are in preparation for our Rivals of Bond series, which is going to be continuing you already heard the first part of the. By now, you should have By heard it. And there were a number of characters we wanted to include, including, of course, Michael Caine's seminal anti Bond character, Harry Palmer. Right. Also, I figured we'd want to cover the Christopher Lee Fu Manchu film.
2: Who, interestingly enough, in the original novels, didn't have a name. What, Harry Palmer? Yeah, in the novels, oh. they're, they're based on... Of course, when the decision was made to make a movie out right. of right, the first one, what was it, the Billion Dollar... Not no, the, no the, the first one is The Ipocris file. The Ipocris file. when the decision was made, of course, they had to give the guy right. a name, so they named him Harry... Palmer. So we we're going to do that. we were going to do the Christopher Lee Tombman. You thinking about films. doing that too? Uh, the things. world will hear from me. Again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also was thinking that we should do the Doctor Goldfoot films. Oh, Doctor Goldfoot and the
2: Bikini Machine, right?
0: That Vincent Price did. And I was shocked at how few of these films were still on DVD. At one point, there were five Harry Palmer films out there. At one time, all five of them were in print. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's only one still in print. Bill- Billion Dollar, Dollar Brain, Brain. Which is
2: like the last one, It's the it? last
0: of... The, there were three done in the 60s. The Ipcris Files, Pudential in, in Berlin, Berlin, and The Billion Dollar Brain. Right. Then the series went dormant for I think about 20 years Mm -hmm. and then in the 90s Michael Caine of all people revived it himself Mm -hmm. went out and did two feature films that Mm -hmm. were original screenplays Bullet to Beijing and Midnight in St. Petersburg and
2: then it should be also mentioned that there was an HBO movie called Blue Eyes*, where the character is named Harry Anders that one might still be in print but Michael Caine himself has said in interviews it's supposed to be Harry Palmer in retirement living under an assumed name so his enemies won't find him
0: a character that Michael Caine must really love because he keeps bringing him back. Yeah.
2: yeah. And in fact,
0: he's talking now about doing a sixth film.
2: Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, Harry Palmer was about as far as James
0: Bond as you could get.
2: I don't know if the other two are, but I found Billion Dollar
0: Brain vastly entertaining. Oh,
2: it was a lot of fun. And I should mention, because I'm an avid Turner Classic movies watcher, check out Turner Classic Movies. They've got the rights to them and they show them. Matter of fact, they'll show them all. In a row. Billion Dollar Brain is a lot of fun. It's an early film by Ken Russell. Yeah. And boy, you
0: could tell. That whack job. (laughs) This is not a series that was a also-ran series. This was a series that was fairly big in its time. Yes, it was. And the movies made money in the thing. And they were very well-received by the And you can't find them anymore. Although our good friend Jason Cleaver has found them on Amazon UK for us, you have to go there. And we thank you, Jason, for doing that
2: research for us. Who gets the JT Cruel Stand Up Guy Award?
0: We have to contact him and let him know that he's now an award. Yes. (laughs) I'll let you do that. You contact him later. Once, of
2: course, I get my life back from Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Which, if you've heard, you should have heard it by now. The John Carpenter Director's Court episode, you'll know the story behind that. And the J. T. Crew J. T. Crew award yes. for—is that how he pronounces it? Krul?
1: Yes, obviously, because he spells it K
0: R U L, right? K R U L. I have this sneaking suspicion he has listened to at the very least. The podcasts I've done with Michael Bailey okay. Where we've talked about him at length So I figure that if I was mispronouncing his name And I
2: think he may be listening to us as well okay. I knew how to find you You know what I'm going to do when we finish yeah. doing this Later on when I check my Facebook page yeah. I'm going to contact him and I'm going to ask him I figure he would have corrected me by now Oh yeah
0: I find it, and this is not meant to be pejorative in way, Because I think he's a really talented writer And I've been enjoying everything he's written so far That I've read But I still think his name makes him sound like a Hanna-Barbera villain <laughs> you know? Like somebody who would be fighting Jabberjaw Yeah, Jabberjaw, yeah you know? <laughs> The frustration at trying to find these There's only two of the five Christopher Lee Fu Manchu films out on video There's only one of the Dr. Goldfoot films out Okay There's none of the Dr.
2: Mabuse films Which is another one we thought maybe we could cover Oh yeah, Dr. Mabuse It's so funny that now we live in an age Because I remember I had written a review of Sherlock Holmes in New mm. York Because I had seen it on the Fox Movie mm. channel and I had mentioned, well, if you get the Fox Movie Channel, see it there, or it's worth a rental. I was reminded of a more knowledgeable person than me. me I mean, they said, well, you know, it's not on DVD. I think we just take it for yeah. granted in this day and age where everything is put exactly. on DVD. That no matter what it is, yeah, well, it must be out there on DVD someplace. Which leads us to this episode, because there is a lot of good stuff that is not available on DVD. Yeah, either, it's
0: never been on DVD, and we've made reference to a couple of these things in previous episodes. In episode 67, our annual Obscure Halloween Films episode, we talk at length about Blood on Satan's Claw. Yeah. Which is not on DVD, although a version has been released in Europe.
2: And the only way that... Would Tom was able to see it because he's been wanting to see this movie for years. It can't want to turn a classic movie, right? Which is why I'm saying I'm telling you people the Harry Palmer movies. If you want to see them, mm-hmm. they, they'll ch- I know they will because I've seen them on there. I've seen Funeral in Berlin, yeah. Billion Dollar Brain, The Ibercrest Files. I've never seen the other two that you mentioned. Bill 2 Pages* and the Midnight at St. Paul. I've never seen that, but I know they've shown it, and I have seen Blue Ice.
0: I know that at 78, in our annual visit to the Obscure Movies vault, we talk at great lengths about that wonderful black exploitation satire, *Darktown Strutters. *Darktown Strutters, yeah. Never been on DVD. Never been on DVD. There is stuff out there that I'm sure a lot of... It can't be just us wanting to see these things on
2: DVD. Mm, it, it can't be. And why they are not on DVD is... Is a total mystery to me Mm -hmm. It just baffles the hell out of me Folks I was supposed to pick a couple too Tom was going to pick two I was going to pick two And then what we're going to do is After we do the two We were going to go right to The Better in the Dark message message board We put up a thread earlier this week Inviting our
0: fans Like we do periodically To suggest films they would like to see We have fans
2: Yeah. Again, I was lazy, and I did not pick two. So we've got top two, and we've got the suggestions from the message board. So we're going to go with that. We're starting out with
0: a film that I know is a favorite of yours. One of my top ten favorite movies of all. The two that I chose
2: both feature Fred Ward, a great (laughs) underappreciated actor. Fred Ward is like one of those guys that you see him in a movie, and you just know Mm -hmm. it's going to be a good movie.
0: Makes me wonder. I'm just checking out something here. Because there's another really famous... Which one is that? Yes, that one actually is oh, on m- DVD. Okay. Oh, Miami
2: Blues, yeah. yeah. With, Baldwin. I to worry. I'm with, with I'm like, Alec Baldwin. I'm saying to With Alec Baldwin, yeah.
0: We're not talking about Miami Blues. Although that is a great Fred Ward film. We'll probably be talking about someone later in this year when we celebrate him. Yeah, because we're going to get around doing a birthday episode right. where we do nothing but talk about Fred right. Ward movies. But we're talking about Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. Oh, I love this movie. Produced by Dick Clark... Directed by Guy Hamilton, who directed three of the James Bond films. Mm -hmm. Based on this incredibly wonderful, twisted, and sarcastic group of what they used to call men's adventure novels. Created by Warren Murphy and
2: Richard Sapier. Little bit of historical background here, folks. Back during the 70s, there was this Pulp Fiction Renaissance. There was an interest in... Old school Pulp Fiction. Right. You had Doc Savage. Right. You had The Shadow, which had those wonderful Storanko covers. I still have a couple of those. So do I. G8 and his Battle Aces. These 30s pulp novels were reprinted and were very successful. So now you had all these publishing companies saying, hey, there's audience for this so what they did was that they created modern day poems so you had characters like Don Pendleton well yeah most of this men's
0: adventure novel history the birth of the men's adventure novel can be pinpointed to Harlequin Publishing right a Canadian outfit that became very very profitable in the 60's and 70's putting out romance novels. The people who were the head of Harlequin Publishing said, hmm, maybe we could do something like this only something that guys would like. Thus was created Gold Eagle. Gold Eagle, yeah. And the first character that was created for Gold Eagle was Mac Bolan the, the
2: Executioner.
0: Created by Don Pendleton. Which is a series that is still going on today. Yeah, although I think the last time Don Pendleton actually wrote a word of Mac Bolan was back when you and I were both wearing parachute pants. Well, he passed. Passed away. When so did that's he passed,
2: why, when it, I don't remember.
0: But I, I know he was, was still that. around in the 90s, though.
2: Yeah, he was. But by then, he wasn't even writing oh, the yeah. series. Because oh, no, I these. got
0: solicited once. Really? You write in, and you're invited to write on spec. They solicited me. They solicited a lot of writers, uh,
2: apparently. Those execution novels are done every single month. And now you know it's got its various Yeah, the spin-offs, Phoenix Force. The Phoenix Force, Stony Man, Able Force. Mm-hmm. And they put out every month. And along with Executioner, we also had The, the Destroyer, Destroyer. Which, for my money, is one of the best, if not the best. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. And that's another series that's still being written today, although I think it's only one of the guys is doing it. Richard Sapir passed on Oh, okay. Warren
0: Murphy and Richard Sapir only wrote the first eight, I want to say. Then something happened and they stopped being friends. Okay. And in fact, there were instances, Warren Murphy tells stories about, Sapir was, apparently was really angry at him one time. So the idea was usually that one person would write half of the book and then they'd hand it over to the other person who'd wrap the book up. And Sapir wrote one book and he literally put it In the middle of a word
2: Really? Yeah He's like, what the heck is this supposed to be? They started out as really fairly straightforward action-adventure But then they very quickly turned into satirical looks at action-adventure convention. The character was originally just a karate expert
0: Because the first novel was written in 1963 And karate was really exotic back then But in 1972, when they first started being published It morphed into Sinanju
2: Sinanju The
0: sun source of all martial arts all martial arts
2: and the series gave us one of the great characters of fiction, Chun, Oh yeah. the master of Sinatra. Well, the thing I
0: love about those books is at its core, it's a relationship drama between a father and
2: son. Oh, yeah. Those books wouldn't be nearly half as much fun if you didn't have the banter and interplay mm-hmm. between Remo, who starts out as a pale piece of pig's ear, yeah. yeah. and Chun is... Just cussing him out in his own special way. But it grows into a real respect yeah. and love over time. I
0: mean, down the years, a number of people have ghosted the books. So Although they were always working with the consent, unlike with Pendleton books. Mm-hmm. Where it was just like, you want to do one? Sure! In- and just
2: as an interesting tidbit about mm-hmm. Don Pendleton... It should be noted that Punisher, part of the reason why I detest that character, is because it's such a blatant right. ripoff of the execution, right down to the very origin. Mac Bowen starts his war with the mafia. I may getting into
0: a load of hot water here, but I find it very suspicious that two characters that Jerry, well, maybe in one case Jerry Conway didn't create, but he did create the modern iteration of, can be traced to men's adventure or action novel. Right, yeah. Because he was the one who came up with the whole setup with Natasha and her chauffeur
2: Ivan. Which was right for Modesty Blaze. Yeah, 100%. As a matter of fact, Chris Claremont stole Modesty Blaze's origin for Storm. Right. But in the case of Don Pendleton... They they sued sued him, if if I remember correctly. Don Pendleton sued Marvel. Marvel paid him... hell of a lot of hush money up under yeah. the table to drop the lawsuit. Yeah, and that's part of why I can't stand that character because I could not see how Marvel even thought it could get away with this kind Well, of this thing. was a
0: Jerry Conway creation. This was something where Conway was looking, and he's admitted an in interviews, he was looking at these men's adventure novels and going, we should have a character like this in Marvel. Of course, when he created the Punisher, the idea was that he was going to be a villain. Yeah. Who would show up every once in a while. That he wasn't going to be an industry onto himself like oh, he yeah. became in the 80s. So yeah. let's give him that
2: much. Okay. On the, on the yeah. Side. But getting back to to the destroyer, Ridder, yes. Reema Williams, the adventure begins. The movie that which was intended to be the start of a, a, franchise. a franchise. Thus, the adventure to begins. begins. Uh, kind of like Clash of the Titans. Titans. <laughs> what happens? Titans will clash. Will clash. Okay. And what happens in Rema Williams? The, the adventure
0: begins. begins. In the film, unlike in the novels where Remo Williams is a Vietnam veteran,
2: in this movie he is a New York City cop. We meet him when he's sitting in his patrol car and he's having his coffee and eating a cheeseburger, which becomes a plot point later on, which is why I mentioned the cheeseburger so prominently, folks. He sees a mugging in progress. So he jumps in, he prevents the mugging, gets back in his car, and is promptly knocked by a bulldozer into the East right. River. He's in there drowning, and just before he passes out, he sees that there's these two frogmen coming towards him. He wakes up in the hospital. He's had plastic surgery on his face. Mm-hmm. So he now, now he wakes up looking like Fred Ward. So now he looks like Fred Ward, yeah. Before, when he was playing the New York City Cop, he actually was wearing makeup and right. a beard and mustache. And he meets this guy, Conrad McCleary, played by Jay Preston, who informs him that his new name is now Remo Williams. A name, it must be said, that he makes up while looking at the bottom of a bedpan. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And he informs him that he's working for an organization called Cure, an organization that does not exist. Do they go into the
0: origins of Cure in the movie? I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Well, they do, kind of. Because in the novels, it's mentioned that it was created by John F. Kennedy very shortly before he gets assassinated because he realizes that for democracy to survive... Democracy has to do some very undemocratic things. So he creates Cure, which has
2: no oversight. It originally was just Harold Smith, who was played by Wilford Brimley in the film, movie, yeah. J.A. Preston, Remo, and Chuck. They're the right. only four members of Cure. Remo says, well, what's Cure? J.A. Preston tells him, well, we're the 11th commandment. Right. Thou shalt oh. not get away with it. Right. Remo goes in and he meets Wilfred Brimley, Mm -hmm. who informs him, this is what we're about, and he says, you're going to be an assassin. That's what he tells Remo, now we want you to kill this guy. He's taken to this basement apartment, where there's this little little shrivel-up Korean man, (laughs) and he's given a gun, and he says, okay, you kill him. Remo tries to kill him, which... Fail spectacularly because the shriveled up Korean man is actually Chun, played brilliantly by Joel Grey. Not to put any kind of fine point in, he whoops his ass.
0: (laughs) Joel Grey, a white actor, was chosen to play the Korean Chun because the producers Mm. felt that Sinanju had to be almost balletic. Yeah. Because it's always something that's mentioned in the novels is how effortless and how graceful it looks. Yeah. What is being done correctly. So, rather than go and get a Asian actor, mm-hmm. well-versed in martial arts, they chose to go with Joel Grey because Grey is a Broadway-trained dancer. Exactly. And they wanted somebody who could give that sort of
2: sense of almost dancing. And he does move extremely gracefully, and I don't know if he's a martial artist. When he convinced me, yeah. Remo is told that whenever they kill somebody, it's not supposed to look like killing, it's supposed mm-hmm. to look like... An accident An accident And as Chun explains to him masses of Sinanju All throughout history Have been committing What he calls Perfect assassinations There's a great line Where he says Robin Hood So and so So and so The Greek boy What was his name Oh Alexander yeah, the Great." great. Yeah. yeah And he's naming all of these And Raymond said You're telling me That you killed all of these People mm-hmm. But they were actually accident- yeah. Died by natural causes Chun says no Perfect assassinations he said, nobody knows right. we were there. This is how we do it. So he starts training remote yeah, in this and, and martial
0: art. This film rises and falls solely on the interplay between Fred Ward and Joe Gray.
2: Exactly. And
0: it works because the idea behind the novels is that Chun is, not to put too fine a point on it, racist, yeah. sexist, ageist, mm-hmm. every kind of ist you could think of. And he is appalled that he has been given a white thing to be trained.
2: He trains up in an incredibly short amount of time to the point where Remo gets fairly <laughs> proficient. There's a great scene where he's watching Remo while he's running on the beach. He's actually running, and he's able to run that he doesn't leave footprints. Right. That's when Jay Preston comes up next to Joe Gray, and he says, oh, wow well. Man, he said, he's really coming along. John says, yeah, yeah, he'll be ready soon. He said, well, how soon? He said, if I cut a few corners, 15 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said,
0: oh, he's, con- he's <laughs> constantly ragging on. I'm looking at the quotes page here on IMDB. Okay, One of the ways that Sinanju practitioners gain their power is through a very strict diet of just yeah. rice and fish. And at one point... Chun comes across Remo. he's about to eat something really unhealthy in American, and he's mm. going, it would be better for you to eat that can than to what it's inside than it. To eat the can, yeah. Why must everything in this country be coated with mono city <laughs> to which Rimo goes, monocytium glutamate, you can't even say it. I can say rat
2: droppings. That does not mean no, I want okay. to <laughs> eat <them. laughs> no. Oh, this is as much a comedy at times, because you're laughing so hard. However, there is also that great moment of pathos where Remo yeah. has to go on an assignment, and... He's leaving the loft apartment where he's being trained at. Yes. And he's also been informed by Wilford Brimley's character that if anything ever goes wrong, if anybody ever finds out about Cure, they've all got to kill themselves. Right. He's got a suicide pill. Conrad has a suicide mm-hmm. pill. And Reno says, well, what happens to me? And he says, well, your pal Chun takes care of you. And he's leaving on this assignment, there's no words between, no dialogue, but Chun knows as Remo is going out, he looks up and he looks at him and he says, If that happened, I would have to kill you. And you can see the look, the music helps right. tremendously. This movie's got a terrific musical score. The only problem I have with this movie, yeah. it's a lousy villain. Oh yeah. Remo is kinda of reduced to being nothing more than a collection. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> you know, there's no Bondian super villain. It's uh And the thing is
0: What I don't quite understand is that you look at the novels, and they are filled to the brim with these larger-than-life masterminds. Yeah. Newick, Chun's nephew, who basically abandoned Sinanju Mm -hmm. to become a mercenary. Right. The Dutchman. Newick's uh, apprentice, Mm -hmm. who is not only is a master of Sinanju, but has these wild mental powers. Mental powers powers as well, yeah. Uh, Friend. The computer whose only purpose is to make a profit. Yeah, and of course my favorite, Mister Gordon's. Okay, who is a android designed by an alcoholic space scientist <laughs> who named all of her androids after different alcohol? Uh-huh. Who has been given one order and one order only: mm.
2: survive. Yeah. The bad guy in this movie is a guy named Charles Grove, who essentially just built the United yeah. States government out of a couple billion the dollars. Heart. On a weapon system that doesn't work. Right. Stone is the assistant, right? The one with yeah. the diamonds. tooth. The his one cape. with the diamond in his tooth. Yeah. Right. It should also be mentioned that a pre-Voyager Kate Mulgrew yeah. is in this movie, playing the somewhat romantic interest. But
0: it, she's almost inconsequential. Yeah. You know how I've talked in the past about certain films building up to one moment. Mm-hmm. In this case, it builds up to the moment in the climax where Fred Ward turns to children and goes, "I'll be right back,
2: little, little father." Yeah. That moment where you realize. These two people finally accept each other. They fall down a cliff. They're in a car. Sure. he's not hurt. They figure mm. that he's dead. And he gets out of the car. And Remo and the army colonel played by Kate Game Mulgrew, Group. they run down the hill. And he's fine. And now he's got to go kill this guy, Crow. And, of course, make it look like an accident. Chung grabs him. And he says, do not embarrass us, my son. Yeah, and I, that's I, what I got, calls, I've got the quote right yeah, here. He it calls my son. Remo's like, I've got a job to do. Remo, do not embarrass us. And then do he goes, I won't.
0: Little Little father. father,
2: Yeah, and it leads up right to that moment. I know people, I've recommended this movie to them, and without fail, everybody has seen it, and they told me, man, that was such a lot of fun.
0: Before we leave this film, I just want to use some of the other Remo Chun quotes here.
2: Have at it. Remo,
0: Chun, you're incredible. No, I am better than that. I am better than
2: (laughs) 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 This, mind you, after he's walked on water. (laughs) So, yeah, you kind of say... Considering there's only been all, one other person we know of, that's Wolf
0: Water. Yeah. Chun, it is called fast food because it speeds you to the grave. <laughs> At one point, Chun is playing with a gun and he's pulling the, the trigger over and over again. Mm-hmm. And Ryo goes helpfully, you used the other four yesterday. And then
2: Chun fires and it goes off. Bam!
0: I reloaded. I reloaded.
2: (laughs) And and Remo Dux is like, he's got this old shit look on his face. Like, you crazy old man. And, of course, probably my favorite
0: exchange. You know, Chun, there are times when I really like you. Of course. I am Chun. And there are times that I could really kill you. Good. We will practice that <laughs> after <dinner. laughs> I love this movie. Um, there was a second script out there, which was supposed to feature Mr. Gordon's. I had heard these rumors that they had approached Rob Botine mm-hmm. to do the special effects, because, of course, the whole thing about Mr. Gordon's is he's an assimilator. He takes anything into his body, body. and uses it to make and it and anything assimilate, it uses it, yeah. But they chose instead to do a TV pilot which Mm -hmm. was based on one of the long-standing ghosts. Will Murray, wrote a novella called The Day Remo Died. Mm -hmm. And the pilot is a fairly faithful adaptation of that novella. Roddy McDowell played Chun. Chun, yeah. Some soap opera pretty boy. With feathered hair, played Remo. Yeah, Jeffrey
2: something. Yeah.
0: Every three or four years, I keep hearing a rumor that they're going to either remake this Mm -hmm. or do a new film. Dark Horse Pictures had it for a while. I think it's just a shame because there's such a rich mythology. Oh, yeah. The fact that these characters are just so cool. I gotta give you this Con McCleary quote. Which one? All I can promise you is terror for breakfast, pressure for lunch, and aggravation for sleep. Your vacation will be two minutes when you're not looking over your shoulder, and if you live to draw a pension, it'll be a miracle. Yeah. I love this
2: script I, mean, I love this movie It has that Incredible scene Where three assassins Are trying to kill Remo And they're crawling around On the Statue of Liberty, Liberty. Back when the Statue of Liberty Was being renovated
0: In the in the 80's mm-hmm. So there was The scaffolding Surrounding it right. So it's
2: Remo And the three of them Kind of Cl- know, Yeah Swinging like kids On, on a, a monkey bar On a monkey bar it's just, There's that great scene Because Remo has A fear of heights mm-hmm. So to try to Break him of it Chun takes him On the Wonder Wheel At Coney yes. Island And he's standing on there And so help me, it looks like it's actually Fred Ward doing his own stuff down there. Because you can see him, just plainly, he's standing Fred Ward is one of those
0: actors, kind of like Dennis Quaid, who's just so inherently likable. Yeah. That you're willing to follow him along. And this is something that also serves him well in the next film we're going to talk about. And we should
2: mention, just before we jump in, that that he actually was with Dennis Quaid in another one of our favorite movies. The The Right Right Stuff. Stuff. Yeah.
0: Which we mentioned in the Dennis Quaid episode. That's right. So... The next one I want to talk about is something of a curiosity. It
2: was an HBO TV movie. Yeah,
0: Maybe it was shown a couple of times.
2: As far as I know, and if I'm wrong, please somebody, as always, I say I don't mind being corrected. Mm-hmm. Right. As far as I know, it was only shown one time. Well, at least I only saw it one time. But I looked for it because I love this movie so yeah. much when I saw it. It was on VHS and
0: then was never seen again. I'm talking about... 1991's Cast a Deadly Spell, Mm -hmm. directed by... Do I have the right to call him a great, great man?
2: A great, great man indeed. A great,
0: great man, Mr. Martin Campbell, who later will will go on to do both GoldenEye and Casino Royale. Yeah. And is the director of record on...
2: Next year's Green Lantern film. I love this movie. Everybody that I mentioned this movie to, everybody says, oh man, I love that movie. Yeah. This movie has such a fan following, it is incomprehensible to me why it's not on DVD. I've got
0: some suspicions, but we'll get to that after we, we finish the discussion. Go right ahead. Set in 1948, Los Angeles, but not the 1948 Los Angeles that you know. Mm-hmm. This is a world where magic exists mm-hmm. and Everybody uses it. They use it for every little thing. From everything from boiling tea yeah. to changing the weather. If you want a bodyguard, rather than hire somebody, you make a zombie. There you go. You use magic to mix your own drinks, to read your books for you. Everything. There's only one person who does not use magic. A private detective by the name of Howard Philip Lovecraft, played by, by Fred Ward. By Fred Ward. In the film, he is hired by a party to find the Necronomicon. And yes, for those of you who are H.P. Lovecraft fans, there are a lot of Lovecraft references in the film. He's got a landlady who you get the impression is kind of, sort of, maybe he had a thing with at one
2: point. That's a cubist. If I remember, yeah. right. I think she's a succubus. If I remember right, because it's been a long time since I seen. It. I saw that movie that one time on yeah. HBO, but to this day, it stuck with me because it was such a damn good movie. Yeah, it was a perfect blend of the hard boiled PI right. film noir kind of thing with the supernatural. He's not the only person
0: looking for this Necronomicon because there, his ex partner, who has gone over to the dark side, is now mm. a full on gangster, is also looking for it because, of course. If you get the Necronomicon, you can call down the old ones. Ooh, and we don't want that. (laughs) If you like hard-boiled detective stuff, Mm -hmm. this is a great, great film, and it's very distinctive. you got a great cast, because in addition to Fred Ward, you've got David Warner. Always dependable. Julianne Moore as the female lead. Clancy Brown.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Most people now know as the voice of Luthor. Lex Luthor from the Superman cartoons. A lot of great... Alexandra Powers... Playing Olivia Who was this Hector. written
2: by? Why you've got This was ad-
0: written by Joseph Dougherty. Okay. It works. Both has a mystery and has a fantasy. Yeah, film. it does. That's one reason why I love this so and much. I love the fact... Well, I don't want to tell the big reveal, but the big reveal is a magical twist, almost kind of, sort of, on what happened in Chinatown. Yeah. Where Mm -hmm. somebody turns out to be not what they portray themselves to be. be. Yeah. It appeals to horror fans. I think it would appeal to fantasy fans if they saw it. It's got this lush 1940s. Technicolor. Wonderful to it.
2: atmosphere. Even years later, you would see movies made for HBO yeah. show up in other places. It's never shown up in reruns or You it. know what it
0: is? It surprises me because it doesn't look like an HBO film. It doesn't look like a film made for television. Because it's got that lush, very vibrant blues and reds and greens mm-hmm. that makes it look like a lost film. Right. From yeah. From that I mean, time period. Right from the forties or
2: the fifties, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Unlike Remo, there was a sequel. Yes, there was a disappointing sequel where Dennis, Dennis Hopper, Hopper played H.P. Yeah, uh yeah. Dougherty, the guy who wrote,
0: I think he also wrote this one, the idea was that he was going to do one for each decade, and each film, Howard Phillips was going to be portrayed by a different actor. Oh, okay. This one, which was about the 50s, also tried to ape the look of a 50s movie. Not mm-hmm. as successfully, I think, as this one. And you're right, the plot is not as good, it's kind of lackluster. The one moment I take away from Witch Hunt is of the one witch casting
2: the spell and the words come out of her mouth and hang in the air. You took away more because I don't even remember that at all. After Fred Ward, I just couldn't buy Dennis Hopper as H.P. Love. Well, to, yeah, that's, that's part
0: of the thing is that Ward pretty much owns that role mm-hmm. from the moment he walks on screen. Mm-hmm. Hopper, if I remember correctly, Hopper's portrayal is much more subdued. You know what the funny thing is? You know who directed the sequel? Cool. Paul
2: Schrader. No fool. Someone who knows how to do a great film. Yeah. Now that's interesting. That's I it. Cheryl Lee Ralph plays a
0: witch, mm-hmm. and at one point she casts a spell for Lovecraft. She she doesn't has a she does her music through jazz. Oh. So she sings out the spell. The words come out and start floating around the air around her. Mm. That, I remember Eric Bogosian as the villain. I remember Julian Sands playing a character kind of sort of like what would happen if Truman Capote was a magician. (laughs) Okay. As wonderful and distinctive as Cassidy's spell was, Witch Hunt was almost generic.
2: Yeah, I remember seeing it and I wasn't impressed with it at all.
0: It's very, very sad, and it should have... They already had a third script, which Mm -hmm. was set in... The '60s, And I think he'd actually talked about maybe trying to get Peter Fonda or somebody
1: mm, To okay.
0: be Howard Lovecraft in the next one I think the reason why Cast the Deadly Spell might not be out on DVD mm-hmm. Is because the sequel has tainted the memory
2: I figure it's got to be something legal I can't yeah. think of any other reason why this movie would not be Maybe The Family of Howard Phillips Lovecraft, mm-hmm. the real one Maybe they have tied it up because they don't want his name. He I don't used to think say.
0: I have to look it up. I don't think Howard Phillips Lovecraft ever had any
2: children. I think that the bloodline died with him. Only thing that I'm just saying that I can figure it's got to be some legal reason why this movie has never been put on DVD, considering the following that it has.
0: Just like we gave quotes for Remo, I feel like compelled to give some quotes here. I'm in a have quoting mood. Hackshaw, who is played by, of course, David Warner, a mm-hmm. great actor. You don't believe in magic. Oh, I believe. I just don't use it. Why? Personal reasons. And they are personal. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's why I don't tell you, because they're personal. Yeah. <laughs> and there's this great speech, because Connie who I think is the Juliana Moore character, is like, Damn it, Phil, everyone's got to compromise. That's what I keep hearing. And what makes you so special? What makes me special is I'm my own man. When I started out, I said there were things I'd do and things I wouldn't do. A lot of guys start out like that, and a lot of them sell a lot out along the way. But the more who fall, the easier it gets. See, look, everybody compromise. Everybody cheats. Everybody uses magic. So they empty their ideals out of their pocket and get down to the job of sticking it to their neighbors before they stick it to them, because that's the way it's done. To all of which I say nuts. My collar may be a little frayed, and maybe I need a shoe shine, but nobody's got a mortgage on my soul. I own it. Free and clear. <laughs> Now, is that
2: not hardball detective dialogue or what? Right up there with Humphrey Bogart in The Maltese Falcon explaining to Bridget O'Shaughnessy why he won't play the sap <laughs> for her. That's Fred Ward's I won't be the sap yeah. magic speech. Right.
0: <laughs> I don't know who owns the rights, why it's in limbo, but this deserves to be
2: seen by people.
0: I could just see the kids who are growing out of Harry Potter right now really digging something like this. Yeah,
2: Yeah, exactly. I have no clue at all why this thing isn't on DVD. All I know is that if sometime in the future it is on DVD, I'm there day one. Oh yeah, I'm definitely buying it. I'm getting a copy, so just in case somebody decides to yank it from the shelves, I can say I have
0: one. See, I think that's the thing. I wonder if Witch Hunt would have been
2: better if they had just decided to keep Fred Ward. Oh, definitely it would have been. He plays Lovecraft to such perfection that I was disappointed when I saw Dennis Hopper. Much as I I love Dennis Hopper, it just wasn't the same. It might as well have been a totally different character.
0: So, as we mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. we went on our message board, and this is a way for all of you guys to get in on planning occasional episodes. We will put out these calls on betterthedark.proboards.com, and we asked our fans for their suggestions for films that are out of print or have never been in print to be on DVD. James has a list, our good friend James Dye, and he starts with Steven Soderbergh's King of the Hill from 1993.
2: No, I've never heard of it. Okay,
0: it is a film about a young boy. I'm not sure if his family's died, but he lives in a hotel by himself. The hotel is run by, of all people, Spalding Gray.
1: Oh,
2: okay.
0: It's... A very kind of low-key, very bittersweet little film. There's that. There's Sign O' the Times, the concert film Prince made
2: in 1988 instead of actually touring the U.S. Now, I'd get that. Yeah, that would go right next to Purple Rain, which is a movie that everybody should Mm -hmm. have.
0: I wonder if there are a number of these... Concert films, because there was that whole vogue of concert films in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, we had a whole that was, bunch of them. Yeah, I think started by stop making sense. Jonathan stop making Demme sense. Talking right. head film, and all of a sudden there was a space of about ten years where everybody had to have their own concert film. Hmm. So you have Tom Waits in Big Time. Laurie Anderson had one. Mm-hmm. Also, I think done by Jonathan Demi. I'm not sure. And, yeah, this is part of it. Right.
2: Didn't we also get Martin Scorsese, the one he did with the, the, La- the last, yeah, you know, The Last Man?
0: Oh, no, The Last Waltz, which is the, the last band's, Waltz. The band's, last, the film, band's last film, right? predates it. It was the band's farewell performance, which, of course, became a lie because they eventually uh, <laughs> reunited again. Uh-huh. But, yeah, that was the one where it was, there were always, like, concert films. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was also a brief Vogue in the 60s. I wonder if Wattstack is available. Ooh,
2: watch that! The, the concert film, uh, set, the stacks record, right? Uh-huh, yeah, of the was, with, yeah. Tower. yeah, right. I'd love to have that. If for nothing else, then the performance done by Rufus Thomas. Yeah, where he does the breakdown and he's wearing these pink shorts <laughs> and a pink cape, and he's doing. The, and there's a wonderful shot. Where the crowd just flows out. He tells the audience to come on down. Right. And they come up right next by the stage and they dance And then when he tells them to go back, and there's all these thousands of people go back. Oh, it's a wonderful scene. It's on YouTube if you want to YouTube it. Just YouTube Rufus Thomas, folks. There is an
0: edition of Wattstack available. Wattstacks is out? 30th anniversary edition for seventeen dollars. Oh, yeah, I got to get that. We're going yeah. to Fye tomorrow. I'm getting. As, that. as a little sidebar, we are now in a position for those of us who haven't switched to the Blu-ray yet.
2: Things are really, really cheap. I'm in the habit of going to Target right before I come visit you for the recording right. session. And for those of you who don't know, I live in downtown Brooklyn. I'm a ten-minute walk away from Target. Look what I picked up for five bucks. Well, a Knight's nice Tale. Holy shit. Heath Ledger. Yep. For five bucks. My brother-in-law, he's got a whole bunch of HD, because he found a website. HD DVD. Five dollars. And he's bought a whole shitload of DVDs from there. Oh, that's great. I love this movie. Yeah, I think
0: it's the one film that got the whole ancient story told with modern music right. Yeah. We had a number of these since this. Uh-huh. That apparently don't
2: understand why this works so well. Somehow it fits when you had the people yeah. in there and then doing the thing from Queen, dun 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 dun. And you get the joke! (laughs) Oh, that's a great scene. Frank
0: Borzaga's Man's Castle, a 1932 movie about the Great Depression, starring Spencer Tracy. It's a favorite of mine, never released on DVD. Columbia produced this, and many of their early films tend not to show up on DVD, even though Sony is one of the better studios for quality in issuing old films on DVD, when they do it at all. And speaking of older films that are not on DVD... 1932's The Island of Lost Souls.
2: Mmm. See, that's another one that surprises me. It's not on DVD.
0: Yeah, that's one of those classic horror films. That was
2: like the first adaptation of The Island of Dr. Moreau. Right, exactly. We've had
0: three official ones and several unofficial ones. Okay. And there are rumors, James writes, that that Criterion is working on this one, but it hasn't been confirmed. Also a Columbia picture, so you may be seeing a pattern here. Mm -hmm. But that one, I see that Charles Lawton playing Dr. Moreau. You've got Bella Lugosi...
2: As the speaker, the speaker of, of the law. What
0: is the law? No spill blood. What is the law? No spill blood. something did that very well. Why that's not on DVD, I don't know. Here's one. I know that we've talked about this on, I don't know which episode, but an earlier episode. Briefly, John Huston's The Man Who Would Be King, starring Sean oh. Connery and Michael Caine.
2: That's not on DVD. Wow, see, that's another one. Well, he a-
0: mentions, <clears throat> much like Remo Williams, which we talked about oh. earlier, this one was released on DVD so early in the lifespan of the format in 1997 that the film was actually split into two halves. So it was what they call flippers. That's what those old ones where the bit rate was so small mm-hmm. that you had to flip them over. Way out of print now And I prefer not having To flip the disc To watch the whole
2: thing I probably have never Even bothered looking To see if this was on DVD Because yeah, I get Turn a mm-hmm. classic movie And they show that All the time right. I love that movie That's a movie That went back so far Was so long in production That the original guys To play mm-hmm. those roles Was Humphrey Bogart And Was it Cary Grant? John Huston Had wanted to make this movie Ever since the 30s Or 40s That's how far back mm-hmm. it goes The final program Ah I remember this movie based on the Jerry Cornelius novels by one of my favorite writers, Michael Moorcock. Michael based, based on the first one, actually, which is pretty much a rewrite of his Elric of Melbourne series. And there's a good reason why the final program isn't on DVD, because mm-hmm. it's a lousy movie. Oh, Sorry,
0: James. There was a time way back when, when I grew with my friends what we called, I forget what we called it.
1: Mm-hmm. But it was the
0: idea was we would do three films back-to-back, each around a certain theme. Mm-hmm. And we did one about apocalyptic science fiction. So we had the, A Boy and His Dog, mm-hmm. we had The Final Program, okay. and we had Clockwork Orange. You that had two good ones and one bomb. All I remember is constantly drifting off. Yeah, watching the final program. And the other thing I remember is, of course, the monkey coming out of the what was it the time tunnel or something at the very end? Yes. Yeah, and m-
2: speaking like Bogart, Jerry Cornelius, and Miss Bruner, the the villain of the piece at there, because her whole thing is to merge with him and create a perfect being. And what comes out is this ape like creature. And it, it says
0: something like it's like a Bogart quote, if I remember. I don't remember. Yeah,
2: I'm surprised I remember that much mm-hmm. about it. I also recall that at the
0: last gasps of psychedelic cinema, because I remember correctly, all the characters are wearing these mod clothes.
2: Yeah, I remember vaguely the guy who played Jerry Cornelius apparently thought he was Oliver Reed, and mm-hmm. he is no Oliver yeah. Reed. And there's one scene where he's walking. To meet Miss Bruner And he's actually walking through this room that's like a giant pinball And there's people that's in these clear globes And they're pushing them around It's a Robert West movie So of course it's got that wacky
0: Avengers aesthetic to it
2: Yeah, it's one of those psychedelic pop art You know, type of things But to me, I remember seeing it And to me, I just found it very pretentious Mm -hmm. and boring That's a good reason why it's not
0: on TV Because it's a boring movie You think about West's post-Avengers career He did one good film Abominable Dr. Fives Right The sequel, which was terrible. Mm -hmm. He did this one, which wasn't very good. Mm -hmm. Trying to remember what he did after that. And that was probably enough to kill off his career. Yeah. (laughs) And the final thing James suggests is Comic Book Confidential Ron Mann's documentary on American comic books. The film turns up on cable channels like Ovation and the Learning Channel often, but I'd love to own a copy.
2: Wow, again, another one
0: I am surprised that is not on DVD. That's a recent one, too. That was only out in like the last ten years. Yeah, that's what I'm
2: saying. It's not like a really old movie,
1: yeah.
0: Then we have Grubble on the message boards. And he has one suggestion, but I think it's one that we have like a lot to say about. What's that? The Billy Jack movies. Oh! Along with, of course, Tom Lawton's other film, the Billy Jack in the Wild West, The Master
2: Gunfighter. That's the one where everybody's walking around with samurai swords. Yes. <laughs> Ronald Neal is in that one. Yep. Superfly himself. Very muddled, confused plot. Well, I've got news. According to Amazon, the Billy Jack Collection... Which four films Four films Because there are actually five
0: Born Losers Which everyone
2: forgets about Born Losers is the first one There's Billy Jack The The Trial Trial of Billy Jack. Jack And Billy Jack Goes to Washington The film so bad It was never released Never released Billy Jack Goes to Washington It's in this
0: collection Yes it is Okay It is available for $18. $18. Four movies for $18. Of course, sorry, Tom Laughlin.
1: And actually... It was kind
2: of like the Steven Seagal of his era. Yeah. You must have read my mind. <laughs> yeah, he was, because a lot of people forget. Billy Jack was a hell of a popular movie when it mm-hmm. came out. It oh, It was a cult film. Born Losers, not so much. But Billy Jack, yeah. Because Tom Laughlin, whatever his name is, he does a great slow burn. Because he has that great... I just Best go new. berserk. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he
2: kicks everybody's well, ass in the ball. Jack have to kick a bitch. It's a little girl and they put ice cream on her head. Yeah. And he says, when I see what you do to a delicate little flower like this. And she has to live with the, and he's wiping the ice cream yeah. off and she, has, she has to live with the memory of this shame and humiliation that you've done to her. I just go berserk! And he turns around yes. and takes somebody's head off with a karate chop or something. I don't oh, know. Oh god, yes. Oh, he's got that scene where he takes off his boots before he, again, kicks much ass. And he did these movies and his co-star was right. his wife at the Dolores time, Taylor. Dolores Taylor, who is if she's not the world's worst actress mm-hmm. at that time, she's up there in the top 10.
0: Oh, oh, but the children, Billy. She's also
2: not exactly easy on the eyes. No, she wasn't. She's not the world's most attractive woman either. Apparently, his ego got so out of control mm-hmm. that he kind of exiled himself from Hollywood, even yeah. though the Billy Jack movies, Born Losers, didn't not so much so, but Billy Jack and the trial of Billy Jack mm-hmm. both made a lot of money. And then, of course, there was the Master
0: Gunfighter, which was that weird side trip he did into Westerns. Yeah. And he actually tried to run for real office at one yes, time. Yes, he did. When I said the Steven Seagal of our time is because I think that, just like Steven Seagal got so full of his ass, Lord knows that his ass has gone so
2: wide, it can, there's a lot that it can fill. Have you seen that thing, Steven Seagal, Lawman? No, I haven't. Uh, save yourself, my friend. I have <laughs> seen it, and I have seen yet another sign of the coming apocalypse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Those are actually available. Level, so. Okay.
0: Another suggestion from our friend here Says check out Curse of the Cat People And he also requests that we maybe Do a episode focusing on Jacques Tournier oh. Which we might get to Because we might be doing the Cat People film As part of our universal right. horror.
2: horror series Whenever which... we sit down And we agree on a timetable yeah. And nail it down
0: After first we finally put the nails in the
2: coffin Of the Bond series Yeah And then we can start playing that out. But for those of you who don't know, Tom and I have agreed that we're going to do a series about the classic Universal movie monsters. Then we have
0: Chris Johnson, our good friend from the Amazing SpiderCast, Quantum (laughs) Blunderbuss, and um, enough said. The mm. Marvel Comics Podcast, which has all been inactive, but we're hoping he's going to get back into things. He suggests the Lon Chaney semi-lost film, London After Midnight.
2: I have seen this. This has been on Turner Classic Movies. Have you ever seen it? I have never seen it. Next time it comes on, I'll make sure to make a copy for you. Uh, because they do show cause it. Because it's a silent film. Turner Classic Oh, movie. once again, Curse of the Cat People is on a two-disc set with the
0: original Cat People.
2: Don't you people check Amazon.com before you make these fraudulent claims? (laughs) Right. And in fact, this I might actually order. What's that? The Val Ludin Horror
0: Collection, which contains... Does it have I Walk With a Zombie? Cat People, Curse of the Cat People, I Walk With a Zombie, The Body Snatcher, Isle of the Dead, Bedlam, The Leopard Man, The Ghost Ship, Seventh Victim, and Shadows in the Dark.
2: Oh, okay. Pretty much
0: everything the man
2: did. Yeah, Bedlam and I Walk With a Zombie. I love I Walk With a Zombie.
0: This is available. This is turning out a little different from what I expected it to turn out to be. The whole Val Ludin episode might not be such a bad idea. Might not be such a
2: bad idea at all. Especially since
0: I know that there have been one or two people who have said, you know, we'd really like to see... Some older stuff, which is why when I get home, I'm digging out my Marx Brothers section. I know you and I talked about doing a Marx Brothers episode. Mm, yep,
2: yeah, Marx Brothers. I'm a big fan of the Marx mm-hmm. Brothers. Let's see what we. Oh yeah, London
0: After Midnight. So yeah, you said you've seen it. They partially reconstructed it. Didn't yes, it? what it
2: was was that a lot of it was lost, so they reconstructed it using stills. Apparently, mm-hmm. there was a lot of still photographs. Right. So they used that to bridge the scenes, and they have title cards with. Descriptions of actions right. that is happening off screen or whatever was lost. Go to movies and put okay. that in, and I bet you that that'll pop up. Because right. I do believe that TurnerClassic Movies. So it's, is it TurnerClassicMovies.com? Just put in TCM.com. Okay. It'll come up. Turner Classic Movies did a whole thing not mm-hmm. too long ago where they had all of these lost lawn chaining movies, right. especially from the silent era. They restored them and they put a lot of You're them on, on DVD.
0: What? And here I thought that this was lost too. What's that? The return of Captain
2: Invincible. And look at that! You're supposed to do your homework here, son. Oh my lord! And you've been telling me that that movie—that's the, the lost Richard O'Brien movie. Folks, we are now changing the name of this episode because these are movies that are on DVD. Except for a few, of course, the Remo Williams and... But most of these it looks like... But how come they don't make a... net? Well, they do. I guess we just haven't followed them. Right. A
0: lot of these are not available on Netflix. But yeah, I, I may have to
2: pick this up. Well,
0: it's a terrible... That's the thing. It's a terrible film.
2: Uh-huh. But as an artifact, it's like the
0: last f- film that O'Brien wrote music for. But if you want to see Christopher Lee dancing and singing, this is your chance. So okay, I'm at the TCM movie database. This is London After Midnight, 1927, aka The Hypnotist. A brief synopsis, cast and crew. The Lon Chaney collection. Yeah, I bet you it's in there. Okay, let's see, three silent films, and a photographic reconstruction of the lost film London After
2: Midnight. Okay, so there you go. Who was it that wanted to see it? Chris Johnson. Chris, so yeah, go to Turner Classic Movies, and go on there, and you will see that they have the Lon Chaney Mm -hmm. collection, and in that collection is London After Midnight.
0: The last one on our list...
2: Lon Chaney made a lot of freaky movies yeah. back then in that one. There was a great one where he plays a uh, armless knife thrower. Yeah,
0: that might be the unknown.
2: Yeah, it turns out that he does actually have arms, right. but he's pretending that he doesn't because he killed the guy.
0: I have such a respect for the senior Chaney because he went through so much physical pain for his art. Yes, he
2: did. And Let's... this
0: was during a time when makeup as a profession was so
2: primitive that... Putting it on, you're taking your sight and your senses into your own hands. Uh, as a matter of fact, London After Midnight, he's got this bulgy-eyed look in there. And it was actually painful for him what he had to go through to pull his eyelids back in order to get that effect. Oh, man. But, Chris, again, go to Turner Classic Movies and go in there and you'll see that they have the Lon Chaney collection. And you can get those movies. And there. let's see if it's available on, because so I've got Amazon up here. We aim to please here. We're a full-service podcast. Yes, it
0: looks like they have it available
2: for 20 bucks, people! There you go. Three solid lawn chains. Okay, I
0: think at this point now, one of us has to call Amazon and say, You owe us money. Yeah, right. I concur 100%. Okay, the last one on this list... Is from Dino He suggests Thursday Which featured some of the first performances By Thomas Jane and Aaron Eckhart Great little movie It was on DVD for a short time But then it went out of print And a copy will cost you close to a hundred bucks At which point James also times in and says He remembers this one It was one of those low budget crime films That follow Pulp Fiction Mickey Rourke is in it too This is one of the films he acted in During his Hollywood exile
2: Now let me ask you a question Yeah It, it would cost me a hundred dollars To see this movie Yeah is there sex and drugs involved in it also? Because for $100... <laughs> better... Dino? Dino?
0: James? Guess what? Is this the one? Yes, this is the one. You don't have to spend... $100. Edition Aaron Eckhart and Thomas Jane. Polina Poroskova. Okay. Back before Polina Poroskova. James Lee
2: Gross. Okay. Yeah. And how much is it on Amazon? $25! So I don't have to spend $100. You're welcome! Well, I was still paid $100 if the Sexy yeah. Dogs come with it. Does Polina Poroskova come over <coughs> to your house and give you a Hummer? No.
0: Uh oh. Joel's not going to be happy with that. Again, we do have a movie that is available. Okay. Do you even get it uncut in Russian for
2: 20 bucks? No fool. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm now, at this point, I've got to check, just to make sure I'm not dreaming. Uh, yeah, it does look like... Although, oddly enough, Witch Hunt is on... Witch Hunt is on DVD. Let's see. I just want to make sure this is the right one. It's That's... No, no, it's, it's a History Channel thing. Oh, okay. I just got to see if... No, it does look like Cassidy's Spell is, in fact, out of print. Okay. And I'm willing to bet that Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. Hey, what do you know? It's on DVD? No, this is the older version that they let go out of print, but they still have copies of it. However, they're charging $42 for
1: it. Ooh, $42. And this
0: is a bare bones edition. Uh-huh. I remember this edition Because I almost Picked this up Many years ago Uh It's a bare bones edition So it's just The movie I said Let me Let it go Because they'll Probably put out A special edition And they never did Yeah, if you really want to pick it up, you can get the older Bare Bones edition for $42. I'd
2: love for them to do it just with a commentary, just with Fred Ward and Joe Gray. Mm -hmm. Please. They don't have to do commentary with anybody. Although, Guy Hamilton, I'd love a commentary. If I could have Rima Williams' The Adventure Begins with a commentary Mm -hmm. by those three, I'd be happy. I think at this point,
0: we have to contact Amazon and say, okay... Bottom line, you owe us money. But... If you guys have other ideas for films that you want to see, again, that might be out of print. We now change it to might be out might of print. Might be out of print. Yeah, that's
2: the new official name of this <laughs> Might be out of print.
0: There are a number of ways you can reach us. In other words, we have reached the end of the episode and are about to do the administrative. You can send us an email at dark at earth2.net. That's better in the dark at earth-2.net. You can join one of the, our two message boards. Our original message board, which is run, of course, by Eric Fromm, who will be joining us sometime in the near future. Will he be joining us for the review episode as well? For Iron Man? Yeah.
1: Yeah, soon as He'll so. be
0: joining us for that next review episode. We'll cover Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. We'll be doing straight from Iron Man 2. Right. He's going to be joining us, but... Yeah. While wow, the adrenaline is still pumping. Right. <laughs> you can go to... The betterinthedark.proboards.com. Click on, after you register, the future episodes, idea, thread, what film not on DVD, and add your views. Maybe we'll revisit this subject, but not until Amazon gives us money. You can also join the earth2.net message board, which is at earth2.net. Just click. Go to the left-hand side of the page, click on Forms, takes a few minutes to register, and you're done. You're in there. You're in Light Flint. You can uh, join us on the, well, join you, Derek, because I don't have a Facebook Live anymore. <laughs> I lost
2: mine in London, apparently. Now, apparently, yeah. That time when you got mugged in London, yes. Tom.
0: The funny thing is, I don't have much memory
2: of that. Well, you had a concussion, that's yeah. why. Don't you remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I must have been oh. pretty damn concussed to be asking pretty much total strangers, hey, you want to give me money? Oh, Lord. You can join the Better in the Dark Facebook group, which is at Facebook. Just look for Better in the Dark. And you can also find Facebooks devoted to a lot of our friends, such as Cool Shut on the Tube, The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, mm-hmm. Movies About Girls, where, of course, I do a regular couple of minutes and uh, participate on a more or less weekly basis in the fun and frivolity Including, of course, cult movie karaoke.
2: You're practically a regular.
0: I think yes. I am officially considered a regular um, on that show at this point. You can follow both Derek and I on Live Journal. Right. Derek's Live Journal is Derek Ferguson's Notebook,
2: and Tom's is Space
0: Monkey Mafia. And if you want to throw much love at our musical director and our hip hop maestro, he also has a live journal.
2: Right. He has a website where you can go there one-stop shopping for all information about hyphen B- Including some
0: really cool mixtapes. Mm-hmm. And that's at Beehive.com.
2: hyphencom
0: And, of course, if you want to learn more about the legend and lore of Better in the Dark, you can do a lot worse than to go to Kelly Loge's... BITD site.com, where you will find links to older episodes, a glossary. You'll find little YouTube clips connected to the various miniseries within the series. There's a whole page devoted to Derek's writings, there's another page devoted to podcasts that we love. Everything you need to know
2: about us is
0: right there. You can go
2: right there, one-stop shop. Plus, there's a
0: cool picture of a predator and
2: an alien playing chess. Speaking of that, I cannot wait for this Robert Rodriguez produced Predators Predators, movie. Woo! Have you
0: seen the trailer for that? I know Danny Trejo is in it, but Danny Trejo should be playing Machete. Yeah, well, the movie is coming. Yeah, a, I know the movie is coming, but I'm saying he should play Machete in oh, the, the, the Predators movie. Oh,
1: yeah. That's
0: what I'm saying. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. by the way, one of the things I have officially going to add once I get in touch with Kelly to the glossary, because mm-hmm. it, it occurred to me that we mentioned these two people so often that they might as well get a glossary entry. The crazy babysitting You twer- got it. it. Oh, yeah. yeah. You got it. I was looking at their site last night, and I'm like,
1: ooh,
2: boy. They have a site? There's an official MySpace, and there's links to all these other... There's, like, a lot of... And we are going to write their screenplay and send That's it right. to That's right. It's a running gag here, but I don't consider it a gag. Me and Tom love those characters so much that we mm. said, we're going to sit down and we're going to write us a script about the crazy babysitting twins.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. To me, that was just the funniest thing in the movie when somebody yeah. at one point... Says, yes. and they wonder out loud Have they been infected by the virus And somebody else says, no, they act like that all the time They're crazy he says, Why do you think they call the crazy babies and they twins The
0: Aveliantwins.com Where is it? It's I found it yesterday There's like a whole well, Let me just write that down real quick <laughs> Okay, let's look, look it under crazy Because you got to check out some of these pictures I'll <laughs> find it, don't worry about that Oh, check out some of these Okay, here it is Look at this. This is a blog devoted to hot women. Okay. Check out some of these photos.
2: Aren't they sisters?
0: Yes, they are. That doesn't stop people... That one. Yeah. That one does some very bad
2: things to my brain. Yes, I'm, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's doing some very bad things to my brain right now as well. Because uh-huh. they're from Brazil, right there? Oh, uh, Venezuela. They, Venezuela, and down there. They're like superstars down yeah, there. Yeah,
0: but I'm sorry. There's something about... We should mention that this picture that we're looking at now is a picture of the two of them. In Catholic schoolgirl uniforms. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong Well, what? tell
2: them the website so they can go to. This
0: website we're looking at is sugar, Lots of Sugar and Spice. and you look for the crazy babysitter twins. But yeah, no, we're definitely writing that script. Yeah we got to stop looking at this we got to get back to Get back to
2: business time Okay Look at that on your own time Look
0: at the, uh, your own time In fact, we're going to shut down Since this is the last episode we're recording I'm shutting down all tabs Which will just reveal that nice, pretty There we go I've added the Jennifer Garner Road Director's Court And of course, the Crazy Babysitter Twins The popular nickname for Electra and Elisa Avelian super hot Venezuelan actresses and nieces to Robert Rodriguez The subject of a movie script Tom and Derek keep insisting they're going to write When they endeavor to save their uncle Naturally played by Danny Trejo Absolutely but now I'll just go back And there's that nice picture Of the beautiful one In this kind of like Almost 60's sort of
2: You know what, what I thought of As soon that, as I saw that Because folks We're looking at a picture of her And she's in this black turtlene Honey West Yes Yeah I, I would pay to see that Honey West Yeah Given a time Honey
0: West is sure to be revived Yeah Because she looks very 60-ish Yeah the, Well that's you know, what I'm saying Very 60's When I saw that picture it said It's got like, kind of like A 60's glamour look Yeah too, right? The kind of thing That you would expect to see Somebody like Gene Shrimpton yeah, doing. But anyway, that's it for this time. We hope that you enjoyed and once again, this. this is an episode that we intended to go one way and somehow went another way,
2: which seems to be a trademark of better in the dark. Well, this is of course the weirdest season ever. You're absolutely right about that. In that, very few of these episodes have turned out as they were planned. <laughs> and who do we blame it all on? Ken McIntyre. <laughs>
1: Yes you Ken. started. Yes,
2: we
0: blame you You started the change So oh, he's going to be coming back Probably around May We decided that Ken is going to be our official guest host For our annual State of Movie Going episode
2: I have no problem Ken. So
0: we will be inviting Ken back He's a lot of fun to talk to Yes he is And we'll be talking about things such as the closing window of
2: movie-to-DVD. Well, you know, the Avatar, the DVD is coming out next month, isn't it? Isn't it still in the theaters? But this is like a bare-bones one, and then in November, they're supposed to be coming out with the one with all the extras. To me, they're just rushing this out real quick so they can grab that money while it's still Avatar-fever. As I like to refer to this movie, Dances with Smurfs. But you know that just to end this on this note, real quick, the movie studios are getting into the act now because they're really pissed yeah. off too about the shrinking window, as you said, of right. in the theater well, and the DVD. Sherlock Holmes is coming out next week. Yeah, just like with Avatar, I'm only really bet this is going to be a
0: bare bones DVD, and come around November will come the right. big, super deluxe special edition, just in time for Christmas. Exactly. Which is why I'm not going to buy
2: this version. No, I'm not going to get it either. This is such a blatant attempt, while the fever is still on people, to just push it out there, right. and they're going to grab that quick, easy dollar. Now, dollars. is it going to
0: be in 3D, or is it just going to be flat screen? I have no idea. I, my worry, is, of course, is that if it's in 3D,
2: they're going to be giving people the red and green glasses again. I would guess that if it's just bare bones and they don't have any commentary, I don't see why they would do that and then spend the extra money for it to be 3D. Why should they, when they come out in November and have the super deluxe, and then wait another couple of months, here's the super, super, super right. adult with 3 They could milk this for three or four more special editions. Right.
0: So, until next time, when you're trained by a ancient Korean assassin to go kill... A gang of magic-using bikers who use their magic to put ice cream on the head of a little girl so that you can just go insane,
2: go see that movie! Good night! Good night and God bless.
1: Someone's throwing lesser
2: demons at you. Black magic from the pit of Asagoth and you don't even carry a rabbit's foot. I can handle it. Well, I'm not worried about you, Phil. I'm worried about the people who might get in the way.
0: You've been listening to Better in the Dark featuring Thomas DJ and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Brian Ibbett of Coverville, Alan Paul of House to Astonish, Big Willie and the Samurai of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, Eric From, and of course, the members of the Better in the Dark message board at betterinthedark.proboards.com. Better in the Dark's coat may be a little frayed and it may need a shoe shine, but no one has a mortgage on its soul even though we tried to sell it. Really we did. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, love letters and pipe bombs to Better in the Dark at earth2.net. That's Better in the Dark at earth-2.net. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley. And hey, why not leave us a review on iTunes? Maybe you can even visit the Better in the Dark Central site at www.bitdsite.com. Better in the Dark is a conspiracy productions presentation in association with the Earth2.net community of podcasts. All material copyright, Thomas D.J. and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that if Amazon.com doesn't give us the money it owes us, we'll just go
1: berserk! We got the law here, Billy Jack. When policemen break the law... And there isn't any law Just a fight for survival I Put a spell on you Because